Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. So as this comes out, it is June 2022. It is Pride Month. Um, so happy Pride. Happy and, Pride. Uh, yeah. And recently we did an episode on women around the world where we just kind of talked about our influences and inspirations in the queer community, and I mentioned the book Unapologetic. So I thought, you know, especially as people I safely are going on trips, perhaps, and you're looking for something to read and you haven't read this one, well, here we are again, recommending it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, so please enjoy this classic episode. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You, production of iHeartRadio. Today we have another episode of Book Club for you, and we are very excited to be Yay. talking about Unapologetic, a Black, Queer, and Feminist Mandate for Radical Movements by Charlene A. Carruthers. And this is a very timely book for a lot of reasons, probably a lot of them obvious. It takes a look at Black intellectual thought and organizing and grassroots movements like the Haitian Revolution, the Civil Rights Movement here in the United States, um, feminism, and the LGBTQ plus movements to provide a flexible model for, for organizing while also calling for a more queer and feminist approach to Black liberation and a more radical approach as well. The book delves into all the tools of white supremacy that white supremacy uses to function to keep oppressors in power, tools like the patriarchy and feminism and homophobia and ableism. 
Through her years of organizing, Crothers also has recommendations for improving the longevity and effectiveness of social justice movements with things like healing justice within these movements themselves and developing leaders. So very, very timely, yes. Uh, she also re-examines several of the common issues that come up in organizing, the unhelpful comparisons to past movements or the generational disconnect, social media infighting, burnout, questions of accountability, pinning hopes on one single leader, past and present, and only remembering the good things a leader did and not the problematic aspects and how that hinders social justice movements. And she knows what she's talking about. Uh, she wrote, quote, Since 2013, I have steered the growth and development of BYP 100, which is the Black Youth Project 100, and one of the most prolific and integral Black liberation movement organizations of the 21st century. Yes. Um, and I very much enjoyed this book. Uh, it's a pretty quick, quick read, but there's just so much, a wealth of information in there. Right. Um, yeah. So if you haven't read it yet, highly, highly recommend that you do. Uh, we did want to start with some definitions before we get too much into discussion, because uh, just so we're all on the same uh, page. <laughs> so one is queer. Um, Carruthers defines it, quote, queer as I am defining it here represents a continuum of possibilities outside of what are considered to be normal sexual or gender identities and behaviors. And she defines the black queer feminist lens as she says, quote, the black queer feminist lens is a political praxis, practice and theory based in black feminist and LGBTQ traditions and knowledge through which people and groups see to bring their full selves into the process of dismantling all the systems of oppression. So this black queer feminist lens is so important throughout the book um, and as frequently shortened to BQF, but it's... Her approach is all about centering that, right. um, using that as not only a guidance, but in the title, like a mandate, right. um, just really using it to to inform uh, how to organize. And just a kind of a, an understanding that that's what's being left out in most movements and why it's so important today. Exactly, yeah. Um, and we also wanted to include this quote that from the book about the unique oppression of Black people. Anti-Blackness is a system of beliefs and practices that attack, erode, and limit the humanity of Black people. It was cultivated through the transatlantic slave trade and continues today in the policies and practices of nation-states, corporations, individuals, and entire societies. Right. So we did want to talk a little bit about themes. Um, Carruthers makes an impassioned and informed case for the power of organizing. Early on in the book, she quotes Frederick Douglass, quote, power concedes nothing without a demand. And she says, I believe that we must go further and say that power concedes nothing without an organized demand. Right. So let's talk about organizing. It's pretty key in right. the book. Um, she writes, organizing by using the Black queer feminist lens calls for us to be individuals and to work collectively with neither being at the expense of the other. And that, that's one thing I really loved about um, her approach. And this isn't really uh, an autobiography. She, there are some personal stories throughout, but um, there, it's more lessons learned and history, just this, all of this history of... Um, Black liberation movements and radical movements. Um, but I loved how she really emphasized that there needs to be both sort of this individual, what do I want? Right. What am I fighting for? What do I want to see? But also collectively, because 
you can't achieve something in a vacuum. Like, you need to work together. Right. Um, she also talks about activism versus community organizing, two important foundations, um, developing leaders and strategizing to take action. Um, also, note, not all community organizing is radical. Many work to keep systems of oppression in place. Oh, and those call-outs are pretty hard. Yeah. <laughs> You yes. read the book. So asking yourself, what world do you want to build? And what do you want for future generations? Who are you? Who are your people? What do you want? What are we building? And are we ready to win? Yeah, having those answers in place um, will really help guide you and, and what you feel that you can uh, contribute and what you do want to see and what you're fighting for because um, burnout is a big problem. Right. And she discusses the killing of black imagination along with that, of imagining what this world that you're fighting for could look like um, and the importance of that imagination when it comes to envisioning this world that you want to, to live in and you want future generations to live in. Um, she also discusses the importance of transformative change as opposed to reforms. Um, so, for example, she describes a quote from a black actress, I believe, of black women being at the bottom of the social ladder um, and hanging on to that bottom rung. And Carruthers is a proponent of imagining a different ladder. Like, instead of that, you've got to climb this ladder. Why do we have to have that ladder at all? Let's think outside of that. Let's get a better ladder. Yeah, or no ladder. Who knows? Just get rid of the ladders. <laughs> yeah. That'd be lovely. She also talks about the need for accountability in organizing. And um, one of the things that she does talk about within her own organizations is very raw, is the example of the Me Too movement within their own organization. She, she writes in an amazing personal manner that really does feel like it hits close to home for anyone. And honestly, it's true. If the truth is that there are more women that are victimized than not, then we must also know the perpetrators of these yeah. Incidents. And we have to hold that person or even just that accountable about what it is and what it seems. And, and if we truly are saying believe women um, and believe victims, then how do we actually do that in regards to people we know, that people we respected and worked with? Um, and just realizing at the same time that these truths can be devastating. And I found her... Uh, relaying of incidents with that happening with her leadership in her own program was really beautifully raw. Of course, there was, mm -hmm. it was kind of one of those levels of how do we handle it, what does it come down to, and how do we hold our own accountable? And without completely ostracizing someone and completely giving up on someone, but at the same time, making sure that they take responsibility in their part to this. So it was definitely a nice insight to see how she opened up about her own struggles in trying to come face to face when she has to be the one that says, what do we do? How do we handle yeah. this? And what do we do when it's our friend? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I really appreciated that too. And I could feel like the anxiety in my own stomach reading that right. of what would I do right. um, and I've thought about it because unfortunately as you say the numbers just indicate right. I probably do know someone who's done who's been involved in some kind of non-consensual sexual thing and that's a scary thought of what what you would do but I you know you have to you have to hold people accountable for their right. actions 
You have to live out what you say. And if we truly believe that victims need to be believed and there's so much connotation to how do we do that? And at the same time, how do we do that as an organization that's supposed to be a leadership organization to impact these type of wrongs and to make change these types of wrongs? That's a whole big nutshell that you have to do. Oh, yeah. At the time... uh, her, this organization, BYP 100, was in, like, the national spotlight before right. this happened. Right. Like, it was a very stressful right. um, oh, I felt series that of events. <laughs> For <Yeah>. sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so we do have other themes that we wanted to touch on. But first, we have a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? (laughs) Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There is still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Something else the book examines that we wanted to discuss is gendered violence and anti-Blackness. So in the book, she quotes Beth E. Ritchie, who is a scholar and anti-violence activist, 
and Ritchie wrote, surrounding the violence matrix is the tangled web of structural disadvantages, institutionalized racism, gender domination, class exploitation, heteropatriarchy, and other forms of oppression that lock the abuse of black women in place. Responses need to be developed that take all the forms of abuse and all of the spheres within which injustice occurs into account. Mm-hmm. Carruthers uses the BQF in Ritchie's violence matrix to demonstrate how all of this violence is connected. Social spheres, communities, home, governments, corporations, and how the U.S. normalizes violence against black people, women, LGBTQ plus community by limiting access to health care, not allowing self-determination and in who gets funding. Yeah, so really driving the point home that all of these things are connected. Right. Um, you can't separate out uh, sort of structural violence and say this is the only problem. But you have to recognize the influence they have on each other. Um, She is also adamant about not leaving people out, Carruthers is, of being inclusive in these movements. She writes, patriarchy and its offspring, homophobia and transphobia have no place in our movement. To allow these to go unchecked is counter-revolutionary. If your liberation movement has people on the sidelines or absent altogether, then it's not really liberatory. And later she goes on to say, I want the lie that black people cannot be black, queer, trans, and women at the same time to die a swift death. Right. I mean, she hits those points pretty quickly, pretty fastly throughout the book. Um, And in studying black liberation movements, Carruthers identifies three commitments movements should collectively make to regenerate. So one is building many strong leaders. That means knowing your self-interest, which, whoo, that's just a lofty goal in itself. That's just like a a year-long meditation session. Um, And also not, quote, passing the torch, um, the need for multiple strong leaders and room to grow instead of just pulling at your own, the ones that you know. It should have an ability to bring in new ideas, new people. Right. I love that. Um, It was a quote. She was quoting somebody, I can't remember who, um, but about passing the torch. And he said, there is no torch to pass. Right. Um, like if you're just waiting around for somebody to say, give you that torch. Yeah. Yeah. Then you're not going to get much done. Um, the importance of creating spaces for healing. Uh, she writes in the words of Cara Page from the Kindred Healing Justice Collective, healing justice identifies how we can holistically respond to and intervene on generational trauma and violence and to bring collective practices that can impact and transform the consequences of oppression on our bodies, hearts, and minds. Yeah, she also speaks about how the term self-care needs to be rephrased. And it kind of hit me because we what we actually need is a care of others to help us and to help each other. And it can't just be done by ourselves, but by your trusted collective. And I know it was such a small bit of the book, but it did hit me pretty quickly. And it obviously it hit her too, because she kind of sat there as she was speaking with a mentor and they said that to her. And she was just like, wait, oh, wait, what? Yeah, mm-hmm. I guess that's true. That if, if it's a movement, if we're part of a movement, if this is a collective, we need those that we trust to help us in our care of ourselves as well. Yeah, and that that part um, of the book really resonated with me too, just because I... Um, she talks a lot about how this work can be <laughs> almost always is very traumatizing. And when you're in it all the time, just the the physical toll, like not only mentally and emotionally, but the physical toll it can take. Um, 
And then as you say, or we say this in so many episodes that it, I don't think it was this one, but in a recent one, um, that can take you out of the game in which you're not helping anybody. Right. But it's, it can be so hard to tell yourself when there's so many things, so many injustices and wrongs to be corrected. There's this goal, well, I have to keep going. I have to keep going. Right. Almost like I don't, I don't have time. It's not worth stopping, but you do need to take those moments right. and, and have people in your community kind of share that with you and help you so that you can regenerate, which right. is what this whole is all a part of, so that yeah. movements and they don't die out or people just keep growing out of them. Right. And I did yeah. love also, she did talk about, because it was so me. It's, it is so me. It's be, especially being new to actually being a voice as opposed to being behind the scene about mm -hmm. being silenced and being so traumatized that you are silenced, that you do the bare minimum because you are petrified or just triggered so hard, like you're emotionally, mm -hmm. physically not able to put into words what needs to be done. So therefore, you just sit silently and waiting, which is more harmful as well, which is like a double whammy. And she talks about that so loudly and about what that meant that she was saying that she would make a point, but not make a point, that she would share something, but not go to the depths of it because she couldn't put into words the trauma and the pain because she was continuing to suffer from the trauma and the pain, whether it was from right. the past experiences or just being re-victimized to that moment and being triggered in those moments from your past trauma. And I was like, oh my God damn girl, you just got me. You just got me real hard because I, it, to me, one of the hardest things as an ally is to know when to speak and to know when not to speak. Right. And because of the trauma that I've, and both of us have gone through as children or as uh, later on in our adolescence in being silenced so hard through, whether it was through violence, whether it was through abuse, um, or whether it was just pure neglect in general, that it kind of sits on you in a way, mm -hmm. in the level that you, that emotions to try to bring that courage up to stand up for something that you know it is important and it is a heavy, heavy issue. It's stunting. It literally puts you in a place that you cannot grow. And not only that, that you're frozen to try to put any action. So she talked about that and, and going beyond that, but it was, oh, it was too close to home for that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and that that's a good segue into, um, so that was, part one of her <laughs> three commitments that she thinks uh, movements should collectively make to regenerate. The second one is adopting healing justice as a core organizing value and practice. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the third one is combating liberalism with principled struggle. Um, she compares social movements to the human body, to, to cells, like human beings being cells. Right. Um, oh, again, this one was challenging for me because she isn't talking about the damage of white liberalism, although she does include it, but liberalism as a whole and how it has been bogged down by good intentions and honestly mixed with, if not grounded, with uh, the idea of capitalism and, and the growth of capitalism and the change of a movement that is too easy to compromise. And I guess, honestly, we can say this is where we are in our presidential election. This is exactly where we have come into this moment of liberalism to me, at one point in time, was about freedom and rights and justice. But as we talk about what is happening, liberalism is starting to become more of white speak for compromise and don't change too much, but I want right. to be a better human than that person. Right. You know, and I was like, uh, uh, 
I'm not sure I can quite, I'm not exactly sure if I can swallow all of this, but I hear you. And damn, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, she she definitely goes into, into that. And that's one of the things I really appreciated about her writing as well, is she's um, very... She doesn't romanticize things. No. So she talked about the Obama era and like the good things, but also all these bad things. Right. And that's what um, she stands on is that you cannot, as we said at the beginning, her her whole thing was you cannot sit here and pretend everything was great when it wasn't. Yeah. And you have to acknowledge the faults in order to progress and to make change. Yeah. And that is, she makes that point throughout. And I really, really appreciated it because it's true if you're like ignoring all these other issues that are happening, if you're not using this um, kind of black queer feminist lens and are okay with these injustices, are they're just not in your, your you're not worried about them, then yeah, things aren't going to change. Right. And the system will continue on. Right. So I really appreciated how she did that. And, and she did bring up with the liberalism and white liberalism, how it is so often um, black women working to get uh, Democrats elected, or that has been the case for a long time, and then not getting anything that they asked for. Right. <laughs> like being largely ignored. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another key aspect of the book and of organizing is understanding history and context, and in this sense, the history of Black people and Black radical movements. So Carruthers focuses in on a couple things, but one of them is the history of modern-day Haiti, which was previously the militarized colony of San Domingo, which became the Western Hemisphere's first independent Black nation. She uses Ella Baker's understanding of radicalism here, quote, in order for us as poor and oppressed people to become part of a society that is meaningful, the system under which we now exist has to be radically changed. This means that we are going to have to learn to think in radical terms. I use the term radical in its original meaning, getting down to and understanding the root cause. It means facing a system that does not lend itself to your needs and devising means by which you change that system. So before the 1804 Haitian Revolution, enslaved Africans died from overworking or violence within 10 years on average. Over 1 million Haitian freedom fighters overthrew the French colonizers and established a black republic, the first in the Western Hemisphere. This disrupted the trade for France, the UK, and the US, and these countries made sure to make things ridiculously difficult for Haiti, creating and exacerbating things like poverty, as we can see today. And she expounds on this and hammers home the importance of telling the stories of Black radical traditions and recognizing contradictions to move forward, like the historical lack of LGBTQ plus voices, the lack of women's voices in some of these movements, um, even though a lot of times they were the ones doing the work. And a lot of these histories are missing from our popular narrative, the history that we popularly tell. Um, she uses the case of Mrs. Reese Taylor, who in 1944 was kidnapped and raped by 10 white men and boys. Investigating this, Rosa Parks organized bringing together prominent black activists and organizations in Alabama where this occurred to create the Alabama Committee for Equal Justice for Mrs. Reese Taylor. The Chicago Defender labeled this campaign as the strongest effort for equality in a decade. Led by black women, this campaign drew level support in coalitions previously unseen 
or at least uh, around that time, very, very uh, rare to see something like that, for combating the sexual violence black women and girls faced. And uh, it became key in the fight for black liberation taking place, but is largely not told, is largely forgotten. Which is sad. And another yeah. example she gives is Bayard Rustin, an openly gay black man being pushed aside for, quote, more palatable black leaders. Or the stories of Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera that we touched on in our protest and organizing episodes. Yeah, and she, she makes the point that there is so much power in seeing yourself reflected um, in people like this in the liberation movement, the value of it when it comes to dismantling homophobia and transphobia in particular. But just being able to, to see these people making these changes, being fighting this fight and, and being powerful in it, and then thinking, you know, we always say, if you can see it, you can be it. It's just, I don't know if people, I think people often forget that we mean that outside of uh, a representation and entertainment. Right. And I think it's changed as recently. It's like, if you don't see it, become it. Yeah. I know that's become the new kind of power thing is, oh, we don't have that? Let me try this. Right. And I, I love that. I love that. I do too. Yeah. And it, I mean, it definitely is changing now when we look at who is leading a lot of these social movements. Right. And, and like, again, uh, what they were before this. <laughs> um we just weren't seeing them or hearing right. about them as much. The uh, fact that and she, we have to go through these depths of right. crisis in order to be willing to see who actually have been trying to push it forward. We've just been in a system where it is not advantageous for us to know of them. Yeah. Yeah. And she makes the point, like, you have this big Hollywood movie with Sean Penn, like multi-million dollar for milk, but you don't have, like, anything or Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera. What if we did? Right. Uh, like with the same funding, not just uh, like on the same level. Right. Yeah. Yes. So we do have a little bit more for you listeners, but first we're going to pause for one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There is still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, 
And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. And we just wanted to touch on a few points um, that maybe particularly uh, hit home or resonated with us. And um, one for me was I really appreciated her honesty in terms of feeling uh, doubt or that she wasn't sure what to do at times um, and making mistakes and growing and recognizing that. Um, And she shares the story of uh, a conversation she had with with somebody who... Uh, she was working with, and he said, uh, "You know, I'm not, I'm not fully woke, but I'm pretty woke, or something right, like that." Right. He says, uh, "I'm not quite, I'm not fully woke, but I'm waking up." Yeah, but uh, yeah, basically being um, there, you you want to have room to grow. There's no instance where being like, "Oh, I'm perfect right now. I don't need anything else." It's never good. And I, I feel like a lot of times um, we hold ourselves back or we hold ourselves to unachievable standards that do prevent us from being as effective as we can be when it comes to fighting for change. And I know we've talked about that in specific before when it comes to feminism and how for a long time I felt like, well, here are all these examples. I would have like examples. Well, I'm not a good feminist because of this and this. So how can I speak about it? Um, And it held me back and it kept me quiet. And that's the opposite of what we want and need right now. And when when I do think on it, especially as I've been on this show, there are things I look back that I've said or done or are times that I've really failed that I wish so desperately I could change. And it did keep me quiet. And it did keep me afraid for a long time. Um, but I learned from those things. Like as painful as it still is, I'm not going to lie, some of this is still painful. I did, I learned from it. And you can't let that stand in the way <laughs> of doing something. All right. Well, like we were talking about just being silenced and being so traumatized that we are silenced. Mm-hmm. And she did talk about also about um, not just canceling people without actually teaching people. And that's not the way to go either. Um, and we've talked about this before. And we've talked about cancel culture before. And I know mm-hmm. that's a big subject right now with the Harper's article we're not, we're not going to talk about. But in the fact that 
there's nothing, nothing happens, no change happens just by saying you're wrong and dismissing them. But change happens when you can teach and, and, and show them what is the better or why is wrong or what's happening. Um, of course, the conversation would also be laid at the fact that we put that on, most of the times, uh, the marginalized community. We put that on people's shoulders yeah. who should not have to be responsible to be the burden to teach us or teach others mm-hmm. um, in, on all of this. But yeah, I think it was, she was good at bringing up so many good points, all like large and small that I was just like, okay, how do I grasp all these? And she did talk about education um, and the work never being done. And that's a part right. of our responsibility as well. But she, I, she also did talk about that anti-blackness is adaptable in the face of resistance to oppression. Um, and I found that really like, oh... That's that's true. It is, um, and whether it's adaptable for people to say, "But I'm not as racist as this," or "I'm not as racist as that," and that's right. still anti-blackness when you say it in terms of these levels. Um, and she talks about this also as an educational access being privilege. Um, mm-hmm. And again, I think that's kind of goes without saying, which is part of the problem we see all the time: is who is afforded the better education and why, and why is it so limited, and why is it so. Um, segregated for making sure those who are already in the good spot to be elevated would continue to be elevated as not given to the opportunities for those who may have never had that same opportunities. And I thought that was a really good conversation about that as well, about growing and how not only do we need to look at this as problematic, but we also need to be willing to share that wealth of knowledge as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um I love that too. And I think that's something super that's so important that we do share. I mean, exactly what she did. She did it in book form. Yes. But we share our knowledge of how how do we make these things work or um, what are lessons and I've learned through my experience that I can share to someone who is a younger person or looking to lead or both of those things. Um so that's not as intimidating and you can just be open with your experiences. And it 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 just oh, it's like the opposite of gatekeeping. <laughs> you know, you're like opening yes. the gates. Yes. We need to come up with a term for this. Agreed. I'm sure there okay. already is. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, it'll come anyway, to us later. Later. And we'll, we'll, we'll pretend we'll be like we're very embarrassed at how simple it was. <laughs> Um, <laughs> just the uh, welcoming committee, the band welcoming committee. It's being transparent. And I mean, she's very open about kind of radical honesty. Right. Well, of, that's uh, why it's unapologetic. And I love that. Mm-hmm. Everything about this is, that's why I think is an an easy read, but a hard read. Right. Because <laughs> everything matters. All those conversations is like, yes, okay. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know if I, oh, okay. Type everything in, in all of that is how mm-hmm. she kind of just makes sure that you're aware that she's seen these problems. She's had time to sit down and have conversations with people and see it in the system and see why it doesn't work. And this is why this has to be talked about. And it's all important. And I don't have time to be just cute and give you a cutesy analyzation of what might be wrong. It's literally, here it is. I'm not going to apologize for how honest it is and how organized it is. Like she is absolutely there with a plan. It's a plan. Mm -hmm. It's a guide. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
And one of the things she touched on that I really liked um, is the importance of a multi-pronged approach, that there's not just one way to be an activist or to organize, that we do need all of these different ways, working in tandem, working together. Um, and you can tell, like, she's seen some of this infighting of people kind of judging others for this is the way to do it and no other way. Yeah. Um, but it, again, that's keeping people out. You don't want to keep people out who are in this fight. <laughs> right. And yeah. I, yeah, she definitely does an amazing job highlighting Black queer women who organize in history and also just acknowledging what they had to do in order to dismantle so much of what is happening in today. So she does an amazing job in making sure she, she highlights Black queer women who have organized in history and acknowledging that in order to dismantle so much of what is happening is to dismantle sexism and racism and that one without the other is not fruitful. She does an amazing job in making sure we have a conversation about why intersectionality is so important and what that truly, truly means, um, which, again, she talks about uh, women in history, queer women of history, queer identifying gender nonconforming communities who would come together and or maybe on their own to try to dismantle the entirety of what is a problem. And it's not one without the other and talking about why these people are so important and why it's been failing because oftentimes one ignores the other and you can't do that, whether it's the suffragette movement with the white women saying, you know, it's all about us or versus some of the even civil rights movement, which talks about only black men and acknowledging only black men. Um, so I think that's kind of conversation that has to be the bigger point is we have to dismantle both in order to see any type of reform. Yeah. Um, yeah. And ableism as well. So many, so many things. Yes. About being intersectional that we do have to keep in mind and they are all connected. Uh, and yeah, I guess in conclusion, this very timely, uh, very much needed uh, centering Black queer women who have been doing the work and getting things done and, and what we can learn from them throughout history and right now without forgetting or erasing them or being like a white lady showing up to your first protest and like, aha, I know what to do. Listen to me. No. <laughs> No. <laughs> um, sharing knowledge about what has worked for her and what hasn't, um, lessons she's learned, how to move forward. It really is a great primer on organizing and, and how we can um, be more efficient as we move forward. And also acknowledging that we have to allow the Black queer women to lead or those identifying as women to be the leader in movements like this and why that's important and not trying to overtake for our own purposes. Yes. 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 Um, So definitely, definitely recommend. Um, We uh, love getting these recommendations from you because I know some of your listeners wrote in about this one. Please keep sending those. We got to choose our next book and we want your help to do it. Our email is stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can also find us on Instagram at Stuff I've Never Told You or on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast. Thanks as always to our super producer, Andrew Howard. Thank you. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I've Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 